0: it waited a week i'm sure you already know this
1: the greatest on my show hello and welcome to communicore weekly i'm george from imagine Earning. and i'm jeff from mice chat we hope you enjoyed last week's show now you know jeff i know we talked about this beforehand and you didn't want me to bring it up but there is a small issue that I think we have to address. Are we, are we really going to talk about this? I, I think we have to. I think we owe it to ourselves. And our fans? Well, yes, all. Yes, yes, we do. I, I've, I've noticed on the past couple of shows on YouTube statistics that we've got two people apparently who dislike our show. Two. We, uh, two people? Yeah,
0: two people. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on. Well, I mean, it's only two people. But you know what? We want to be liked and loved by everyone. So if you're one of those two people, email us. T- tell us what you don't like about the show. Oh, and tell us what you do like. Mostly what you do
1: like. Yes, we, we want to hear about that. And, you know, no hard feelings. We just want to know. Here's another minute that you can't get back. It's the 60 Tech and Review.
0: The Yak and Yeti is probably my favorite restaurant property. Situated at the base of Mount Everest in the Asia area of Disney's Animal Kingdom, this table service restaurant serves Asian cuisine that combines flavors from China, India, and Nepal. My personal favorite is the sweet and sour pork from the wok menu, but they also have roasted duck, tempura shrimp, baby back ribs, lo mein, and each of them have their own distinctly Asian flair. For you less adventurous folks, they do have a Kobe beef burger as well. Hot teas, chilled sake, and Asian beers are also available. But my personal favorite is the Yak Attack, which is a mango daiquiri made with rum and wild berries, and I love it. And it sounds like such a girl drink, but I don't care. You know, it's some really good liquid courage before you take on the yeti on Expedition Everest. The restaurant itself is beautifully decorated with Nepalese artistic touches, and features an array of artifacts from all across Southeast Asia. If you go, take a look around after, you, after your meal and get a feel of the place. They really make it feel lived in like you're really in a restaurant in the shadow of Mount Everest. He's a nice he's, he's, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech, ha! it's George's Book of the Week.
1: There are two things I need to say about Disneyland Paris from sketch to reality. Number one, I wish that every Disney theme park had a book like this written about it. And two, if you ever run across a copy of this book, get it. This book weighs in at an eye-popping 320 pages. It is complete and utter eye candy with beautiful photographs on every page. After a basic introduction to the development of the park, the authors jump right into Main Street, USA and follow each land in succession. Each chapter follows a similar pattern, concept art, development ideas, execution, design, and final results. The text is very engaging and supports the photographs. You learn more about the development of attractions and lands. Each of the major attractions, like Pirates, Haunted Mansion, is covered in amazing detail. The multitude of concept artwork, construction photos, and rare interior shots will astound you. The real star of the book, though, as I've mentioned before, are the photographs. My favorites are the aerial pictures taken of the different lands. It is a rare treat to see a bird's eye view of a Disney theme park, and this book offers multiple shots for every land. Seeing how the Imagineers laid out the attractions doesn't dispel the magic, but creates a sense of amazement at their talents. Disneyland Paris is the first Magic Kingdom-style park that the Imagineers developed, since they were previously known as WED. And according to many friends, authors, and Disney enthusiasts, Disneyland Paris is the most beautiful of all the Magic Kingdoms.
0: So if you get a chance, try to pick up a copy of this book. And you know, I've always wanted a copy of this book, and since it came out originally in a very limited run, it's been very difficult to come uh, across at a reasonable price. But thankfully, uh, Mice Chat has teamed with the author of the book and are offering a reprint of the collector's edition right now. And to get your own copy, you can go to micechat.com and pick one up from the Mice Chat store. So if you're interested in the book, like George said, it's, it's definitely worth buying, so go check it out. Oh, I may have to get it a second copy. You can get me one, too.
1: Okay. If it's a legend that you seek, come on and take a peek at the window of the week.
0: Roy E. Disney, specializing in the gentlemanly sport of racing at sea. Roy E. Disney is the son of Walt's brother, Roy O. Disney. He was the vice chairman of the Walt Disney Company for many years and served as a consultant for them. He was also director emeritus for the board of directors. Roy's window refers to his love of competitive sailing, for which he received an honorary doctorate from the California Maritime Academy for his contributions to the sport before his passing. Listed along with him are his ex-wife Patty and their four children. Sometimes it's a one, sometimes it's a two, when you gotta go, what you're gonna do, it's a bathroom break, a bathroom break.
1: The bathrooms for this week are located at Disney's Hollywood Studios, right outside of Rock and Roller Coaster, starring Aerosmith. Nothing too special about the bathrooms, except for the signage telling you which one you need to use. I do love the baby change one, as well as the mom with the guitar, and make sure you pay special attention to the signage for the companion restroom. Sometimes you might see it,
0: sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat.
1: (laughs) Now you know, Jeff, more fitting for a five-legged goat, the roof of the Norway Pavilion has real grass
0: growing on it. That's right. Because during the Viking and middle ages, most houses in Scandinavia had sod roofs. And sod roofs were great and a cheap alternative to building them out of wood. It may seem a little odd to us today, but the sod helped keep out the rain and the cold really well. In fact, in rural areas of the country, sod roofs were almost universal into the beginning of the 18th century.
1: Nowadays, cast members get up on that roof and trim the grass with clippers, since they don't seem to have a goat to keep up there as they do in Norway. Thanks so much for watching. Please leave us a comment. And email us at CommunicoreWeekly at gmail.com.
0: Or like us on Facebook. Or follow us on Twitter. You can also still email us your entries for the Fantastically Fuzzy Photo Contest. Well, I'm George from Imagine Earning. And I'm Jeff from Mice Chat. Thanks for watching. See you next week on Communicore Weekly.